0: We are in John chapter 10, and I want to start right out of the gate and read from John chapter 10, the first few verses. Jesus says, I tell you the truth, the man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him. Why do you come to church? I, different people have different answers. Um, and I would hope that you've asked yourself that question. And answers can vary from person to person. Um, some kids come because their parents make them. That's, that's okay. That's kind of a parent's job. I, I had a friend, digression, I had a friend back in Illinois that said, I'm not going to make my kids go to church. They might grow up and not like it. You make them go to school and you make them eat their vegetables, Doesn't, both because they're good for them. Um, I, I'm very much in favor of making kids go to church and not, not giving them at that age that, that choice. Some, the grown-up version is your wife makes you or your husband makes you. That's, that's kind of the grown-up version. And, and, it, and it's legit. Uh, sometimes it's because it makes parents or spouse happy. They don't make you, but you know that it'll make them happy. Some people, they just feel it's their family duty. Some people, it's just glorified fire insurance. That's, they, they think that there is a God. They think that the Bible is true. Doesn't mean they like him. They think hell is real. They don't want to go there, so they go to church. For some people, it's just a place to hang out. It's a place to see friends. Um, there's something to be said about surrounding yourself with good friends. Some people... A lot of people come to church when they're bored. You know, the weather can't... We, we joke uh, among uh, most most church leaderships joke about the fact there is a perfect weather for church. If it's too nice, people go on the river or fishing or hunting or on the lake or whatever, horseback riding. And if it's too bad, well, it's miserable, they're going to stay home and watch TV. you got to have just the perfect level of it's too nice to stay home and too miserable to have fun outside for some people. That's church weather for some people. Some people... Um, it is the sacraments, it is, it is communion, it is, you know, it, it is the chance to gather as the congregation and do that which is sacred. Some people come because they have questions about the Bible, they'd like to learn answers in Sunday school and in the sermon. Um, I know people that come, it's simply, we're coming because we don't want our kids to turn out terrible. So we're coming and we hope that the church can do what we're having trouble some people want to spiritually grow. Now, and let me, let me, I'm not picking on these. I think all of these have a legitimate place. I do think some are better than others, but I think that they all have a good, a good foundation. I think some are kind of immature reasons, but then we kind of grow into the better ones down the road. But I'll, I'll, I'll take most excuses to get people into the church, even if they're immature reasons. The, the reason that I went to kindergarten was different than the reason that I went to high school, was very different than the reason I went to college, and then even beyond that to to get a master's degree. Certainly in kindergarten, my mom and dad made me, and I didn't have a choice. By high school, I kind of enjoyed it. I enjoyed seeing my friends, and I enjoyed learning. I wanted to prepare for the rest of my life. I, I was one of those weird kids that liked school. College was to get a job, to prepare for a career, Master's degree was kind of the, the most fun, and, and I think my grades my grades showed that I was having the most fun because they were the best grades I had. And it was because I wanted to be good at what I was doing. I didn't want to just passably, and I really had really just wanted to learn. I really just enjoyed the subject. And so, looking at my own education and my reasons changing uh, in education, I, I think going to church has changed through the years for me quite a quite a bit. Um, and probably for most of you as well. Um, When we mature, when we grow up, our relationship with the church changes. Originally, we go because we have to, a lot of us, and then because we need to. We see that we need to, and it's good for us. And then eventually, we want to. In fact, frankly, that's that's the story. Those three phases are my story with me and vegetables. Originally, I ate them because I had to. And then I figured out they were healthy and I kind of need to, but now I like them and I want, and I want to eat them. The church is often called the flock. Elders are shepherds or pastors in the Bible. So, so what does it mean to be a part of Jesus' flock? Well, we're going to let him answer for that for us. And so we keep reading in verse 7. Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All whoever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. So we have Jesus, who is the gate, and everyone else is is the thief. Jesus, as the gate, is saying that there, you know, he is the only way in. Every other way is wrong. Every other way doesn't belong. His way is the only way. Jesus is exclusive. John three sixteen may be the most known verse, um, but John fourteen. I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through, but through me. Man, that's the verse I probably quote, quote the most. Um, Jesus is the only way. No one comes to the Father except through him. And our world doesn't want to hear that, do they? We, we live in a pluralistic society. You do your thing, I'll do mine, we'll all be fine. Um, but that doesn't work, because there are hard truths, and there are things that are definitively true and things that are definitively wrong. Think of her in a ma- airplanes. Um, airplanes amaze me that they can even fly, uh, that they can get off the ground, and all that computer-controlled stuff inside um, that, that that engineers and scientists and stuff have figured out and made and invented, and... And I know that there are calculations involved on getting that plane from A to B. I know that they have to factor in the rotation of the Earth and the curvature of the Earth. And there's, there's a lot of math in that. And I do not want my pilot to say 2 plus 2 is, I don't know, 4, 6, 8, whatever works. Doesn't matter. No. I'll, you, you do your version of math. I'll do mine. We'll still get to the same place because we won't. <laughs> not, not, not when flying a plane. There's the right kind of math and, and, and calculations that will get us from A to B, and everything else is going to crash us. And surgery's the same. I won't, if, I have to go under, if I have to go under the knife, I want my surgeon to do it the right way, not their version that's made up and, you know, we'll just try this and see if it works. And on the important things in life, we can't kind of say, you do your thing, I'll do mine. You watch your favorite TV show. I'll watch mine. That, but that stuff doesn't matter. The stuff that matters. I. I was. I. I was reminded of of. Um, the uh, the. Do you remember the artist John Cage? Um. He he was a uh, he was a, uh, kind of an avant-garde musician, and he. Uh, he felt that the truth was relative, but it was pointed out to him. But when you go mushroom hunting, you have a book of which ones you can eat and which ones you can't. And you're, you follow that pretty closely because if you don't, you get a poisonous one. And you, won't just, you can't just pick and choose, I want, I want this one to be good today. We, there, are, there are definitive truths. There are, there are mushrooms that you can eat. There are mushrooms that you can't. Our world can't survive on relative truth. We'd fall apart. Uh, and, and too many Christians try to adopt this attitude towards the spiritual, and the spiritual is the most, and I'll tell you why, you know this. It's nothing new. The spiritual is the most important thing because when I die, I'm not taking my comic book collection with me. I'm not taking my car. I'm not taking the house. I'm not, uh, the only thing that goes with me when I die, the only thing that, e- I'm not taking the body, the only thing that is eternal is the spiritual, is my relationship with God through Jesus. It's the only thing I have that I can keep. So it's the most important thing that I've got is my relationship with God. And therefore, it matters the most. And therefore, it's really bizarre to me when Christians think, you do your thing, I'll do my thing, and anything goes. On the most important thing that exists, the claim of Jesus is anything does not go. It's his way. And not my version of his way and your version. His way, the biblical way, where it doesn't count. Uh, we cannot sell out to culture. There are people that think, well, we've got to keep pace with culture. If society says this is okay, then, then that's what matters. You know, we've got to keep pace with society. We've got to keep pace with the Bible. And that alone. Following Jesus is not an option. At some point... We have to follow him the right way or we will be left behind. And, and to be clear, some Christians mistakenly equate church with God himself and their version of church even more so. We're not saved to the church. The church is a tool. It, it's like a pen is an instrument. If I go to write something, I may write it with the pen, but the pen doesn't do the writing. I do the writing. The church, and the Bible, are tools that God uses to bring us to him. We're not saved to the church. And, and, and the Bible itself, which I think is the most perfect book, and it's wonderful, and it's, it's you know, best possession that I own, it's still just a tool. It, it's the tool that gets me to the point. Uh, Jesus says, I am the gate. And we mistakenly think that this is our place, that we can do things our way. We can't do things any way other than His. We can't do Christianity our way, only His way. Um, The center of Christianity is Jesus. It's not music, it's not preaching, it's not church, it's not church bylaws. Jesus is the reason that we gather on Sundays. We gather to grow close to Him. Everything else is... I, don't want to, I wrote in my notes a waste of time. That's not true. It's not that things like potlucks are a waste of time. I think that they're wonderful. Um, I enjoy all the other little side things. They're just not the point. And when we make them the point, then they become a waste of time. Jesus is the reason that we gather on Sundays to grow close to him. The sheep pen, the sheep pen has value because of the Savior. Without him, the sheep pen is just a prison. We must stay with God because he is the salvation, not not because we want to go to heaven. As Francis Chan says, if God lives in Detroit, when I die, I want to go to Detroit because the goal is to be with God, not to live in his house, but to live with God. Uh, It's like Christmas. When we're a kid, we're immature, and we think that the point of Christmas is presents. And we get a little bit older and we think it's the fellowship and the family. But when we mature, we recognize that Christmas is when we celebrate that salvation came to man. And that's the point of Christmas. Uh, Looking at the gate, Jesus, and walking through the gate. Now, those are two different things. Knowing that the gate is the way... But not walking through it is very different than knowing that Jesus is the way and walking through the gate. Jesus says that the gate is narrow. We can't, we can't dodge that. Uh, following Jesus is, is, is narrow. And, and, and by that I mean it's not broad, you can't just do whatever you want to. Jesus says, following me is a narrow way. There is there's one way to do it and a lot of ways to do it wrong. And so I ask, how are we doing? Are we following the biblical Jesus, or have we, have we left the path? Have we entered the gate, and then, not just entered the gate, because it doesn't end there, and then we follow, then we walk along that narrow way, the way that he set. Let's keep reading in verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. And then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. So we have Jesus the shepherd and everybody else is, is the hired hand and they don't love us the way that Jesus loves us. Here in the U.S. we have this rugged, manly view of, of, of cowboys. They have become... I, what, what amazes me is... I mean, the cowboy is really American. And what amazes me is how many other parts of the world, like Germany, is really into country music. And that just kind of boggles my mind. Because it's not part of their background. But, but there is something... I don't know if the word romantic is... But it might be the right word. Of, 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 the, of the cowboy... That image of this rugged, handsome—the uh, cowboy—is the real man. That's the image that we have. Meanwhile, we—I we, don't think we have a good view of shepherds in in, in America in 2023. Uh, we, we, Hallmark got hold of the shepherd and made him soft and cuddly, and big big eyes, and made it made him a kid's figure. Doesn't, he, he, seems, he seems kind of like a sissy, which doesn't line up with the guy that slayed Goliath and wrestled bears and lions with his bare hands. And the problem is then when we make Jesus, when we talk about Jesus the shepherd, just not to sound too crass, but we've emasculated him too often. We've made him kind of a wimpy figure and the wrong view of a shepherd. Our shepherd is our hero. And our goal is to be like our hero, the shepherd. To get closer to our hero, the shepherd. Lordship is about looking. How do we get closer to the shepherd? Not, not how, do we, what's, how, how far away can I get from him and maybe still be protected in the flock. The goal is to be close to him. We're not after bare minimum Christianity, or, or we shouldn't be. Our goal is to grow closer. Penguins, penguins are weird little animals. Beyond the fact that they're flightless birds that live in a part of the world that nothing should probably survive in. Um, if you've seen those documentaries on, on the life of penguins and what they're like when they're babies and one parent stays with them and the other one like goes on this gigantic 100-mile uh, 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 trek to find a little bit of food, bring it back, and then they they chew it up and they spit it and they put it in the penguin's mouth? Ew. There are a lot of animals that when I get to heaven I'm going to ask God, why did you do that? That's one of those creepy ones. There are a lot of Christians that want their food chewed up and spit and put in their mouth and they don't want to do the work themselves. Too often our attitude is, what's the least amount that I have to do to get eternal life, and then it's and, and can someone else do it for me. I've said before, what's the least amount I can do to get this girl to marry me and stay with me? And, and that's not going to be a successful relationship. That won't last. The question, our question is not, are we saved? That, that that puts everything on just a moment. And frankly, the Bible says I'm working out my salvation with fear and trembling. So, you know, I was saved in the bab- in the baptistry, but I'm w- also being saved. The question is, am I a disciple? Um, I, I'm, and disciples are not after the bare minimum. the dis- the The disciple wants to be like the master, the teacher. Um, this is this is where theology Calvinism has kind of killed us. So, the Back, back hundreds and hundreds of years ago, the Catholic Church got into this kind of works-based, if you give enough money to the church, you can, you can buy off sins and things. And it became very works-oriented. John Calvin and Martin Luther and a few of the others said, no, 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 we're saved by grace. We're saved by grace. But th- they 180'd so far that Calvinism got rid of the talk about, about acting, about do, what the Bible says, um, doing and, and it's not just what you think, and it's not just a one-time event. Uh, it, it's about discipleship, Is about following, and it is about acting. Uh, it's, it's, it's hard to teach obedience and biblical faith if we buy into grace only and you don't have to do anything. Uh, this, is, this is why Martin Luther, was, uh, he didn't like the book of James, because James says, you say you have faith, We'll see it in your actions. And that offended Luther because, well, we can't have that. We're saved by grace. But the truth is that James is correct. What you do shows who you know. And if you're not doing anything, then you're not really a disciple. You might, you might believe. this is Back to, there's a difference between believing that Jesus is the gate and walking through it. It's not enough to believe that he is the gate. It's not enough to think Jesus is the son of God. I'm done. We've got to walk that. We have to follow him. James says discipleship matters, that what we do impacts our relationship with God. It is a relationship with the shepherd who sacrificed himself for us that saves us. All right, so we keep reading. Verse verse 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me. And I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me. But I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. At these words, the Jews were again divided. Many of them said, He's demon possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, These are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? There were skeptics that didn't believe that he was the Son of God. Jesus said that his flock would be united under him. So what gives him that right? And What does he mean when he says he has other flocks? And, and, and we'll hit that. The Pharisees knew what he was saying. They could figure it out. I, In the church of, of, of 2023, I think that the Pharisees... Get maybe even a worse rep than they deserve. Now, let me be clear. Back then, they had a problem, and Jesus called them on that problem. They did some good things. They were champions of the poor. Um, the people would have seen them as, as heroes of the people. The good things that they did that were good, we want to commend them for. And they were smart. They, they knew the Bible. The reason they got so upset with Jesus is because they got what he was saying. Um, maybe we project our own stupidity on them sometimes, our own ignorance. Jesus here was claiming to be God on earth, the Son of God, to know the Father as no one had ever known, and they got what He was saying. Uh, I again want to emphasize that the Pharisees were really smart. They knew the Old Testament. They knew the Scriptures. Jesus could make a, a very minor reference to Scripture, and they knew what He was talking about. There's a reason that they were upset with him. He wasn't their version of the Messiah. Uh, He was supposed to unite Israel and save it from the Gentile nations that surrounded them. He was supposed to destroy their enemies. Instead, he's talking about other flocks, about opening up the kingdom of God to more than just Israel. Um, He he can't be our Messiah if he does that. Our Messiah wouldn't, wouldn't open it up to everyone uh, he, ha- he has to be Jewish. He has to be super Jewish if he's going to be our Messiah. And so why was this a big deal? It's not, I th- and again, I think that it's easy to fall into simple tropes and just say, well, the Pharisees were elitist and racist and that's the explanation. But I think that there's more going on because I think that we see this in most churches uh, today. Um, Churches, I've said this before, churches struggle to break a hundred. We've struggled to break a hundred. Um, churches struggle to break a hundred, and, and, and it's because members will begin to sabotage the efforts. Because when a church is under a hundred, everybody can know everybody. You might not know everybody, but you could. And, and if a church has a hundred members or less, if there's a vote, you're one percent of that vote or, or more. But when churches get bigger than 100, it's no longer a clique. It's no longer one group of friends. It's gotten unmanageable for people, not for God. But for people, your voice doesn't carry as far, and they may do things that you don't like. In a little church, you can probably get your way a a fair amount. But as a church grows, it quits becoming about your way and becomes more and more about God's way. And some people, they don't even know that they do it. I'm not even it's hard to get even mad about it because i think i've i've watched people undermine churches and they don't realize that they're doing it. Church gets too small you can't keep the lights on. But if it gets too big, it doesn't feel like my church anymore. And 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 then and, and we like churches to look like us. We like to invite our friends because they're like us and they share interests with us. But people that aren't like us, we don't we don't want and it and it's not it's not racism or, or anything it's just human clickish, selfish nature people like clicks, and churches often make really good clicks, but they're not always great on community um, and and this is where and, and people people like that that club mentality a friend of mine who preaches in Illinois um, raised Catholic he ended up in, in the restoration movement of churches He was raised Catholic and he said, I do have to admit, he said, I miss the the camaraderie that Catholicism had. He said that sometimes the restoration movement feels like it's missing. There is a reason that people join the Masons and the Oddfellows and the Elks and these other clubs. People want fellowship. They want want that, that club feeling. They want that community. There's a reason that Cults grow. The number one thing people say about the Mormons is they're really family-oriented. And people love to talk about how the Mormons are, are a real sense of community and family. Yeah, uh, their, their doctrine is heretical. Won't pull punches on that. But I get that attraction. And going back to the very beginning of the sermon, why do people come to church? Most people don't immediately jump into, well, I'm looking for the best theology that's biblical that I can find. Most people, it's other reason, and a lot of it has to do with social aspects. This is where the church should be the flock. Um, The church needs to provide something that cults don't provide. They need to provide godly community. Jesus says that he will unite us, Jews, Gentiles. He will unite us into one flock. We are called to be Sheep again. Sheep get a bit of a bad rep these days. Sheep, however, stick together. Sheep clump. You've seen the videos of, of herd dogs clumping sheep together, and they and and, and they clump together for protection. Uh, God didn't give them much in the way of natural protection. They don't have claws. They don't have fangs. Horn, uh, the, I guess the rams have horns, but, but the female sheep don't have horns. Um, they're they they're not the most defensive animal but they've got numbers on their side, and that's how they, how they stay protected. They don't get far from each other. They move in unison. The plural of cow is cattle, but the plural of sheep is sheep. <laughs> they, they don't have individual identity. Their identity is in the flock. Uh, their identity is, is, is to be together. Sometimes we like our independence just a little too much. Leave me alone alone. Give me my salvation. Stay out of my life. That's not what God wants for us. It's not healthy. Most small churches stay small churches because they like being a manageable clique. But there's a lot about community in the Bible. Jesus is the vine. Jesus is the shepherd. We are called to be united under Jesus the shepherd, to be his flock. So, We end with the question, how are we doing? What Are we part of his flock? And I don't don't mean the first church of Christ. I don't mean this flock. But just the church. But the biblical church, not our version of it. But the biblical church, how are we doing? I want to close with, with, uh, read a few more verses from chapter 10. Then came the feast of dedication at Jerusalem. It was winter. And Jesus was in the temple area walking in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews gathered around him, saying, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you didn't believe. The miracles I do in my Father's name speak for me, but you don't believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life. And they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand, and I and the Father are one. We go back a few weeks when we talked about Jesus healing the blind man, and we're reminded of the question how did that blind man, when he ran into Jesus later, know that it was Jesus? I think the answer is he recognized his voice. Jesus' sheep know his voice. Jesus said, I am the fa- I and the Father are one. That's a pretty gutsy statement. Heretical if he's, in, if he's wrong. Um, worthy of death in that culture if he was wrong. It got him killed, um, but he was that. Do you believe that? Um, if this is true, there is no other way to heaven but through Jesus. Our hymn of decision today is hymn number 320. There is no other way to heaven except through Jesus. That's what we teach. That's the truth of the church, the truth of the Bible. Anybody that says otherwise is a thief, um, is a hired hand, but is is not proclaiming the truth of Christ. If you have a decision about Jesus and you want to talk about it, uh, let's talk after church. Thank you for listening. You can contact us at our website, firstchurchofchristelkins.com, where you can also find out more. Have a nice week.